Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Pointing the Way to Enhanced Outcomes in Resectable Cutaneous Squamous Cell Carcinoma, Practical Strategies to Incorporate Neoadjuvant Immunotherapy. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated. Hello, I am Nikhil Kushalani, Vice Chair and Senior Member in the Department of Cutaneous Oncology at the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. Now that there is endorsement on national guidelines to consider neoadjuvant immunotherapy for patients with resectable cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma and potentially others coming, it is important to identify which patients may benefit from this therapeutic strategy. Let's start with a brief case vignette. Let's meet Anthony. Anthony is 70 years old, excellent functional status, has well-controlled hypertension. He originally presented a year ago with a 1.2 centimeter poorly differentiated cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma involving the right lateral temple area adjacent to the orbit. At that time, there was no evidence of nodal disease, and he was treated with Mohs micrographic surgery followed by adjuvant radiotherapy. Again, this was one year ago. He now presents with a palpable mass in the right parotid region just anterior to the ear. A fine needle aspiration confirms this is recurrent cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma now with nodal metastases, and additional imaging does not identify any other evidence of distant spread. In this slide shown here, we can see various options that are both current as well as emerging for neoadjuvant immunotherapy in CSCC. Semiplumab is currently a recommended option for very high-risk CSCC with significant risk of extensive local recurrence or nodal metastases, as we saw with Anthony. There is emerging data on combination immunotherapy with nivolumab and ipilimumab, ipilimumab being an anti-CTLA-4 agent, and we'll talk about that in a future segment. And there is an active, ongoing clinical trial with pembrolizumab. Let's take one step back. What is the rationale for neoadjuvant therapy? Again, neoadjuvant therapy is primarily moving systemic therapy prior to planned surgery. Planned surgery is the key word here. We are not aiming to eliminate surgery. However, that may occur depending on the type of response that one sees. It is important to understand that an intact tumor provides the appropriate microenvironment, hopefully for optimal benefit from preoperative or neoadjuvant anti-PD-1 therapy. This is predicated on anti-tumor T cells in direct contact with tumor cells or within the microenvironment. In addition, neoadjuvant immunotherapy has the potential for eliciting a systemic immune response, hopefully to eliminate micrometastatic disease. Additional benefits include surgery that may be less morbid. It may potentially inform the need or not for adjuvant therapy. And looking at pathologic response may potentially even be prognostic. Therefore, there is good, strong rationale for consideration of neoadjuvant therapy. How do we determine the appropriate patient for this approach? Number one, clinical profile of the tumor. Where is it located? Head and neck tumors have higher risk. How rapidly is the tumor growing? And is there prior treatment? Those are high-risk features. What about the pathologic profile of the tumor itself? 
poorly differentiated tumors, tumors that are adenosquamous, cutaneous squamous cell carcinomas, or desmoplastic variants are higher risk. The depth of invasion, typically greater than six millimeters, the presence of perineural invasion, or the presence of lymphovascular invasion are all high-risk features in this disease, making us consider neoadjuvant therapy for them. As immunotherapy is now recommended for certain patients with resectable CSCC, in the next session, let's discuss the expectations of these options. In session two, our goal is to review available and emerging neoadjuvant treatment options in resectable CSCC. Let's take you back to Anthony. Clinically, he now has the equivalent of stage three cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma based on nodal involvement. And he also had poorly differentiated tumor and had previously undergone surgery and radiotherapy and relapsed within a year. All of these are high-risk features as we discussed in the preceding segment. Hence, I decided to give him neoadjuvant immunotherapy prior to planned surgery, and this was discussed at a multidisciplinary tumor board meeting. In a prospective multicenter study, neoadjuvant semiplumab administered for up to four doses prior to surgery elicited a very high pathologic complete response rate greater than 50%. In addition, when combined with the major pathologic response rate, this almost was 64%, again, very impressive. The radiographic response rate to neoadjuvant semiplumab in the same study of 79 patients was 68%. This slide essentially highlights the radiographic response rate, and unfortunately, it is very hard to reconcile radiographic response to pathologic response, and one may not necessarily be a surrogate of the other. This slide highlights the event-free survival from this trial at a median follow-up of 18.7 months. The 12-month overall survivorship at that time was 92%. As you can see, patients who achieved a partial pathologic response or a pathologic complete response did very well. And none of the patients who had a pathologic complete response had evidence of disease relapse. Similarly, a separate study examining either nivolumab as monotherapy for two doses administered two weeks apart versus one dose of combination ipilimumab plus nivolumab followed two weeks later by a single dose of nivolumab also demonstrated high complete and partial pathologic responses. There were high clinical responses in this small randomized study as well. The relapse-free survival in those patients who achieved a complete clinical response or major pathologic response was 100%. Again, very impressive. So right now we have two potential neoadjuvant immunotherapy regimens that have demonstrated excellent efficacy. The regimen using semiplumab was a large prospective multicenter study. The regimen using combination immunotherapy used ipilimumab plus nivolumab, and I think that data needs to be reproduced in a larger setting before we can consider combination immunotherapy for our patients. At this point, neoadjuvant immunotherapy with single-agent semiplumab would be an appropriate standard of care for selected patients with resectable CSCC. In the next session, we'll highlight some of the key safety concerns that we should add. In this session, our goal is to discuss adverse events from immunotherapy and potential management strategies. Our patient, Anthony, went on to receive neoadjuvant anti-PD-1 monotherapy and responded very well clinically. He demonstrated a partial response with some tumor shrinkage prior to surgery. 
He had grade one dermatologic toxicity in the form of a rash. This did not preclude surgery. It responded to topical therapy. But of course, we are always concerned about adverse events negatively affecting our patients and potentially precluding an operation. As you all are very familiar, immunotherapy can affect virtually any organ system in the body. This primarily highlights the more common toxicities, dermatologic, which is very common, pneumonitis, gastrointestinal toxicity, typically colitis or enteritis, endocrine toxicity, certainly something to keep in mind because this could be a chronic toxicity, hypothyroidism, adrenal insufficiency, and certainly hepatotoxicity. We have not discussed some of the rarer toxicities that may affect the cardiovascular system as well as the neurologic system or the eye. I think it's important to spend a brief minute on endocrine toxicities, particularly in the neoadjuvant setting. Patients may have subclinical adrenal insufficiency that may develop. And for any patient that has symptoms of fatigue or others that may contribute to a diagnosis of adrenal insufficiency, it would be very important to diagnose that prior to surgery, else they develop symptomatic adrenal insufficiency due to the stress of surgery. Let's take a look at some of the actual data for this. In the simiplumab trial that we discussed earlier, the rate of grade three or higher immune-related adverse events was 18%. Only one patient discontinued treatment secondary to toxicity. On the Matisse trial of either combination or monotherapy, the rates were lower. However, the caveat here is these patients received only two doses of therapy, i.e. up to four weeks of treatment before they went to the operating room. We all know that historically, combination ipilimumab plus nivolumab, particularly when administered for six to 12 weeks, certainly has a higher rate of immune-related adverse events. In both of these trials, which replicated real-world data, there were patients who did not undergo surgery. But it's important to recognize that this was not from toxicity of therapy. Some of these patients had an excellent response and therefore asked the question, do I even need to undergo an operation? And I think that is a real-world question that we have to gather additional data on. In the Matisse trial, there were nine patients that responded to immunotherapy and decided against proceeding with the planned operation. Therefore, adverse events by themselves are not necessarily a reason for not undergoing surgery, but we absolutely have to take that into account. I think a multidisciplinary approach, looking at all the subspecialists who care for these patients, and most importantly, the patient in front of us needs to help dictate these preferences. This was a qualitative study that looked at three focus groups, three with basal cell carcinoma and three with cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. And what clearly stood out in these surveys and questionnaires was educating the patient, making sure you provided them with relevant and transparent information, and the patient having trust in their healthcare provider through openness of discussion, timeliness of discussion, and most importantly, shared decision making. Now that we've seen the data supporting neoadjuvant immunotherapy, and the toxicities thereof, let's dig a little deeper into what these data actually mean. And in the next session, we'll discuss some additional specifics of which patients we should consider for a neoadjuvant approach. In this module, our goal is selecting a treatment approach for patients with resectable cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. Let's meet another patient, Rachel. 
Rachel is 64 years young. She has stage three poorly differentiated cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma of the trunk. However, her biopsy demonstrates evidence of perineural invasion. As I mentioned previously, this is an adverse risk feature. She is newly diagnosed, no prior surgery or radiotherapy for this disease. And on assessing her medical history, we find that she does have a history of rheumatoid arthritis that has been very well controlled on oral hydroxychloroquine. She maintains an excellent functional status. Here are some of the guiding principles in treatment selection for neoadjuvant immunotherapy through the NCCN. Those patients with very high risk CSCC, as defined as patients with risk of extensive local recurrence or nodal metastases. We discussed some of those pathologic and phenotypic characteristics in the earlier segments. I would certainly consider neoadjuvant therapy with simiplumab with a multidisciplinary discussion if tumors have rapidly recurred, have a rapid growth, have evidence of intransit metastases, they are borderline resectable, or in patients where surgery alone may not be curative or may result in significant functional limitation. In the clinical trials that we've discussed in the previous segments, in the simiplumab study, the eligibility was limited to patients with resectable stage two through four disease without evidence of distant metastases. Within stage two, patients had to have even higher risk stage two disease with at least three centimeters of primary tumor. In the nivolumab trial, earlier stages were allowed. However, the decision was on a multidisciplinary basis if extensive or mutilating surgery was necessary. Those were cases considered for neoadjuvant therapy. I think it's important again to get a sense of those who can wait for surgery based on this data that we've shown you. In the simiplumab trial, surgery was postponed or delayed by six to 12 weeks, equivalent to the two to four cycles of systemic therapy, whereas in the Matisse trial, this was by up to four weeks. There are certain scenarios where we have to be very cautious or potentially contraindications exist for immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy. For example, prior solid organ or stem cell transplant. These are patients that I would not consider appropriate for neoadjuvant immunotherapy. Patients with active autoimmune disorders that require biologic therapy. I would be very cautious in giving them immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy. However, in our patient, Rachel, for example, she had controlled rheumatoid arthritis and no active symptoms and no evidence of biologic therapy. In her case, I would certainly discuss the risks versus benefits of considering neoadjuvant immunotherapy. Patients who have uncontrolled infection with HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis In this module, we will discuss how do we select the next step after neoadjuvant therapy? What comes after that? Can we make some decisions based on the pathologic response that we see? Let's take you back to Rachel. Just to remind you, she was 64 years young. She had stage three high-risk CSCC that was potentially resectable. Here are the high-risk characteristics. Poorly differentiated tumor, a perineural invasion, and stage three disease. All of these place her at higher risk for the tumor recurring if upfront surgery and or radiotherapy is advocated for her. And because of these high-risk features on a multidisciplinary discussion, we elected to give her neoadjuvant immunotherapy, monotherapy, and she remarkably achieved a complete radiographic response with extensive tumor shrinkage and without evidence of disease.
potentially at the time of planned surgery. It's also important, can we try to identify other biomarkers of early response to therapy? We are exploring this, looking at PET-CT imaging at an earlier time point. Again, this is not real-world data, this is on-clinical study, um, whether an early PET may actually help us discern, can we actually safely avoid surgery? These are questions that are still to be answered. This slide highlights some of the post-operative treatments that patients received on the simiplumab trial. A small number of them went on to receive adjuvant simiplumab, similar number received radiotherapy, but many of them were observed. And I can tell you in our clinical practice, patients who have a pathologic complete response to therapy are typically placed into an intensive surveillance program. So overall, I think neoadjuvant immunotherapy for resectable high-risk cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma has now been shown in small phase two trials to be safe and most importantly, efficacious. I think we are still defining who the appropriate candidates for neoadjuvant therapeutic approaches are, and this absolutely must be done in a multidisciplinary setting, and most importantly, taking into account patient preference as well. I think the way of the future is going to be biomarker development, trying to help us understand in which patient can we safely de-escalate the post-operative therapy based on response assessment at the time of surgery. And certainly those patients who have complete radiographic responses, do they even need surgery at all? That is a question that hopefully will be answered with the next generation of clinical trials. And now we actually have a backbone to build this upon. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.